I think that when we identify as Christians and give people an opportunity to observe us both in the ways that we do things well and not well and have the humility to say, oh, that didn't work out so well, uh, but I'm forgiven. Mm. I don't have to pull my own wagon. I have a God that goes before me. This is attractive. Well, hi, everyone. Welcome to Framework Leadership, a podcast about principles and ideas you can use today to take your leadership to the next level. I'm your host, Ken Engel, president of Southeastern University. And I'm your co-host, Michael Steiner, vice president for innovation. Wow, we're excited today to introduce our guest for today's show, Shirley Hoekstra. Shirley serves as the president of the Council for Christian Colleges and Universities, also known as the CCCU. Shirley serves on the boards of the American Council on Education, National Immigration Forum, National Association of Evangelicals, and Trinity Forum. She's received honorary doctorate degrees from Gordon College, Alliance University, and Dallas Baptist University. Such an honor, Shirley, to have you with us today. Ick, I could not be more happy to be here in this room with this kind of energy. Oh, great. Well, we're looking forward to our conversation. I want to start out throughout your leadership. Uh, as president of the CCCU, you've had the opportunity to represent well over, what, 185 colleges around the world. I'd love to open up our discussion by talking about the religious uh, freedom and the value of Christian higher education. Why is the Christian, you know, why is the Christian mission so important to higher education, especially in our nation? Well, because actually a whole person Mm. has a mind, body, and soul. And Christian higher education not only can take care of your mind's questions, but it can address the things that you worry about or that you want to learn about, which is the spiritual side of you. And actually research shows that There is a rising tide of individuals who want to understand the spiritual side of the world, their life, and and what it means for them. Christian higher education is the uh, no ceiling on any discussion place when you want to talk about things that matter. Mm -hmm. And I love it. And you know, you had the opportunity to kind of present with our trustees uh, a little bit earlier, and you outlined the um, kind of the strengths, the weaknesses, the opportunities and threats in terms of Christian higher education. Walk us through what that looks like in today's landscape, those different issues, and how can they be addressed and how can we make things better for our faith-based institutions? So I I think the number one strength of Uh, faith-based higher education is the fact that next to the church, we are the hope for the world because we have a holistic approach to life. We actually have something that says there is real truth. There's a measurement stick. You know how to guide your life. The Bible is written to give Mm. you the best kind of advice for your life. And it keeps you out of trouble and it advances the kind of person that you want to be that is countercultural. And when you can be countercultural based on the foundations of scripture, you go in with strength and confidence. So that's one of our biggest strengths. You know, uh, a weakness of uh, any kind of institution is how do I change to keep up with the world? Right. Right. And so if you're locked into the same old, same old, or this is the way we've always done it, or here's the reason why we can't do it, you're not going to thrive. And so you need to say, uh, for instance, in the conversation we're having about artificial intelligence, how is that a God-given gift? Mm-hmm. Not something to be afraid of, but to say, hey, God introduced AI at this time in this way, because there must be a purpose for that. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's uh, what I would say is uh, overcoming a weakness. Um, in, in, the, uh, in terms of um, other kinds of external threats, we always have to be uh, making sure that people understand faith-based education so they don't create laws and regulations that hinder our ability to be right. exactly right. who we are. Um, so I, I'd say that's just a quick summary of the mm-hmm. kinds of things that we're always looking for. 
Yeah. And you, you know, you've had a chance to visit so many of our, our faith-based universities that you, you have the privilege to lead and guide in terms of advocacy and support and resource. Um, but you also get to hear the personal stories and the things that happen on our campuses and, and see them. Uh, we're going to have students right now that are probably going to be listening to this and they're trying to decide, do I go to the state college or do I go to a, a private faith-based university? Um, what would you say would be a, a solid reason from a personal standpoint for a student to choose faith-based education? You are going to have faculty and peers that value the things that you value and challenge you in the way that you think will better yourself. And I'm going to give you a couple stories. Uh, there is a woman named Wendy. She came from Nicaragua. She uh, went to one of our CCCU schools and she became a teacher uh, and learn the skills of working in a less resourced uh, student placement point of uh, place. She went back to Nicaragua and she said, I've always noticed that our special needs individuals in Nicaragua is our students are really not treated well. Mm. Um, and they didn't have a framework for really what we know in the, in, in the United States is, you know, uh, Americans with Disabilities Act, mm. where you actually create the kind of spaces where individuals that have... Uh, a certain unableness can actually go and grow and flourish. She went back and she wrote the ADA-based regulations for the whole wow. nation wow. of Nicaragua. And you know who came along and helped her? Her faculty member from her Christian college. Wow. Mm. So here she is, a recent grad. She partners with that faculty member who's been her mentor, and they make the world better wow. because yeah. of Christian education. Yeah, and we hear that all the time. When you talk to students, when they when they graduate and leave, I mean, I've always said the faculty are the heart and soul of an institution. Yep. Absolutely. And, and we all have the stories of people who shaped our lives and they talk about the faculty and, and the personal time that mm -hmm. they spend with them, not just in the classroom, but outside the classroom. So you're so right. Here's another story about a, a person I just met. Uh, he's now a lawyer uh, right here in Florida. And he said, 40 years ago, I was at a program at a Christian college and my faculty member said, hey, um, Dave, we're going to go out for coffee. I want to go over your spiritual inventory. Mm. And I want to sit down and I want to say what I see in you. Mm. And he told me now, 40 years later, uh, he said, that conversation set me on the path for me to believe that I could be a lawyer and make a difference for people because of the spiritual gifts I had. Yeah, so good. Um, I, I want to talk a little bit about your your personal uh, college experience and uh, your time volunteering and 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 how you balanced all of your responsibilities during your educational journey. Why is it so important for students to get involved in areas outside of their classes? Boy, the co-curricular opportunities, the internship opportunities, they actually get you an opportunity to test what you may think you like. Yeah. And then sometimes you find out you don't like it. Mm -hmm. So you don't, mm -hmm. you know, keep doing something that ultimately you don't want to find out as a senior yep. that you don't like it. And the other thing is most companies, uh, employers are looking for a well-rounded person, yep. someone who knows how to be on time and have responsibilities and knows how to plan, knows how to have those skills about welcoming people and reading the room. Those are all things that happen with your co-curricular. You know, people who are involved in sports, if you're an athlete and you say, hey, is being an athlete when I maybe you want to be an, uh, also in an academic field, do both, mm -hmm. right? Because your athletic endeavors are going to teach you discipline and persistence and overcoming maybe failure and understanding what happens when you win, right? right? All of those are incredibly important. And, and I, I became an RA and then a leader mm -hmm. on my campus. My mentor, who was the dean for um, uh, uh, student development at the time, she said, Shirley, you're a leader. Mm -hmm. And I think that you should 
wow. develop that. Wow. And she was one of the first persons to actually identify that with that word. And then she gave me opportunities to lead. Incredible. Yeah. Love That's it. Fun. Love it. What are some of the other things that you feel like your um, career and especially Christ-centered higher education helped you in your career? What are some of the other principles you learned from that experience? Uh, I became a lawyer and uh, worked in New Haven, Connecticut, and people wanted to know why I was a Christian. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of clients and there isn't any you know, uh, church-state problem if you're uh, you can share your faith with mm-hmm. with anybody that you want, but but I had the opportunity because I went to a Christian college to understand why I did pray, mm. why I did believe yep. in a triune God, why I believed that there's a heaven and a hell, and people are really wondering about their own life. Do I does my life end when I die at sixty five percent? If I just come, you know, kind of like ashes again, or is there something more that if I'm smart and curious enough and I can have a good guide like maybe you are as a Christian, I could enhance my life, but it also enhance my eternal life. Yeah. I, I think that when we identify as Christians and give people an opportunity to observe us both in the ways that we do things well and not well and have the humility to say, oh, that didn't work out so well, uh, but I'm forgiven. Hmm. I don't have to pull my own wagon. I have a God that goes before me. This is attractive. Yeah, I love yeah. it. You, you are, uh, I love being around you because you're a visionary leader and, and your passion is contagious, passionate about Christian higher education and, and the role it plays in the common good. Uh, how do you think institutions can, uh, universities can successfully integrate their mission of promoting the common good in their academic programs, extracurricular, co-curricular activities, and of course, campus culture? I got, I've got a, a really tremendous story about how Christian higher education is impacting the recidivism rate for prisoners. Mm-hmm. So we have uh, 20 institutions that actually go into prisons and give uh, through great programs and study and curriculum the BA or BS degree for prisoners. Now, they think their life is over. They have really nothing to um, motivate them to be a better person in prison, and they live in a fairly violent environment. Uh, We have story after story about individuals who are accepted into a college program. They get the responsibility of reading and synthesizing and then contributing in a class. And they all of a sudden think, I am not the person that committed that crime. I'm a person with a future. Mm. And then they start to impact the cell that they're in. For instance, uh, in a Michigan prison, they had over 800 incidents a year. And once the education program came on, they had 100 incidents of the year. Wow. The prison guards, yes, incredible. The prison guards didn't want, they thought, oh, this is going to be soft and fluffy. Now all the prison guards want to be in that cell block that has that. And then lastly, in New York, I was in a a prison up in New York, and they said all of the individuals who are in the college programs, we put in charge of the new prisoners. And they say, look, you have a choice. You can just be angry, or you can say, I'm going to make something of my time here. Mm -hmm. And that's what I've done. And now I'm in college, and I'm getting a degree, and my kids see me differently. They see me as a college graduate instead of just a a lifer in right. here. And then they say, look, you got a choice. I'm here for you if you want to talk about it. And um, the pr- the prison administration thinks that they are making a big difference in leadership within the prison culture. Incredible. Isn't that incredible? This incredible. is all wow. Christian incredible. Matthew 25, Yes. you know, visit the prisoner. I was there and you visited me. Well, I'm there and I educate you. Yeah. 
So with all these incredible things that Christian higher ed does, what are some of the, what are some of the challenges you see in our ability to actually keep fulfilling that mission? Mm -hmm. What are the, what are kind of the things that are happening on the horizon that may hold us back from being able to keep doing this great work? Well, we all know that it's um, a lot about finances. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, higher education is a business. A a college, a Christian college is a business. Mm -hmm. And I think that if you're, um, interested in having the best education, you make it work so that you can either work, get loans, uh, find ways to finance your college education, because every institution needs the, as many students as they can educate well. And they also need to be able to say that um, we have the resources and services that you need to be able mm-hmm. to be educated well. I'm, I appreciate uh, what the government does with uh, Pell uh, grants. Right, right, right. That's really important. And I'm a citizen. I'm willing to pay my taxes in order to get people educated. There's you know, some negative talk about the fact, do you really need a college degree? The answer is yes. You mm-hmm. need a college degree. It's undeniable, regardless of what the press says, because it's just a story. It's undeniable that if you educate yourself, you are going to be further ahead at every point in your life for you, your family, your community, and your nation by investing in yourself, who is like a business. You yourself is a little business. Invest in it and be your best. How, how can Christian uh, universities help prepare uh, their students to engage with religious diversity in the workforce and really in society at large? Well, we are becoming more and more of a diverse religious society, and mm-hmm. we're doing pretty well at it. I think one of the things we should take pride in as the United States is that we don't have warring religious factions. Mm-hmm. Look mm-hmm. around the world right. and what you see, uh, the, the major mm-hmm. uh, the major. Uh, tensions in the world and the major hostilities and volatility in the world are based often on religious sex and tribes being at their throats. In America, we say, look, we believe that we can coexist because I don't have to believe what you believe, but I can respect you as an image bearer. And I may even want your conversion experience. But between that, I can say, I'd like to understand more. If you're a doctor or a nurse and you're working in a hospital and you're working with a person of a different faith, you come with a sensibility that says, you know what? I know that faith is important. So I don't have to, I don't have to um, resist the fact that you have a different faith. I can actually say to you, how would your faith make it better here in the hospital for you? Mm. And that is, a, I love my neighbor mm, as much yes. as I love God. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think the more literate you are, the more confident you are in your own faith, the better you can be a partner with people who find themselves in need, but may think and believe differently than you. Yeah. Love it. I want to transition uh, to our conversation a little bit about talking about your passion for storytelling. I know you love love storytelling, how that has in- integrated through your leadership. Um, why is storytelling so important to us? How can it be tied with our faith? I think people want to believe that something is true. Right. So if you just have head knowledge, you've heard it, and you may even trust the person who's telling you a particular fact, but then you see someone acting out their faith. And it may be against interest. It may be for their financial disadvantage. It may be really inconvenient. It may be that it takes a a persistent long-term investment in something. You go, wow, that is countercultural. And you say, well, what motivates a person to do that? And of course, why is the Bible written in stories, Mm -hmm. right? So you you can say, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. Okay. Mm -hmm. But then he heals people. He 
um, make sure that they feel the forgiveness. He says to Zacchaeus, hey, look, don't do that anymore, but come right. and be my friend. Yes. Right. right. And so that is the embodiment of the kind of um, uh, what he wanted us to understand and believe, but then he showed us how to do it. So if we're storytellers today, we're just being our best replication of being a Christ-like person. Got it. And so how can somebody start uh, building that skill of storytelling? How do they start integrating it in how they think and, how, and what they do and share their faith? Well, first of all, I think it takes attentiveness, Sure. Yeah. right? So be aware of what's happening around yep. you. Um, the other thing is be uh, so attend to be curious. So let's say that you have a grandfather, an, an uncle, or a person that you work with, in a, in the, and they've had a lot of life experience, and you go, well, you know, I really don't know much about that person. And you say, I'm going to take, hey, let's go out for coffee. I'd like to hear stories where God showed up in your life that I may not know. And all of a sudden, you have a mm -hmm. tremendous well or a resource or library of stories that God might let you use in some future event. That's so good. Well, we're going to move into our fire round. Just ask you a few quick questions surrounding kind of everything we've discussed. And uh, we want to grab a few practical and applicable pieces of advice from your experience for all of our listeners. So we just have three quick questions. And Michael, I'll let you start with the first one. Got it. So in your opinion, with your experience, what are the keys to an impactful and successful university? is meeting student needs today, not trying to force what used to be the right thing, but saying what do students need today and let them be part of the planning and shaping of the university for the future. I love that. What is the first piece of advice you would give to students wanting to pursue faith-based education? I think they're going to worry about finances, and this is what I would say. Pray more, trust more, worry less. And if this is the place for you, say, uh, God, I need you to provide for me and equip me to be able to go to this university and then take a step of faith and start. That's Love good. It. What's one characteristic that you think that every single leader and administrator in higher education should have? I think that they should have humility. Hmm. I think the issues are so complex and I think that we more likely than not will make mistakes and a humble leader has the skill to say, let's start over. I'm sorry. Let's get around the table again. We can do better. So good. Uh, we sometimes do this. Um, we, we close in a quick, quick prayer. And, and I would love for you to pray for all of our current students that are in our faith-based universities and then those future students that may be choosing to come our way. Would you, would you take a I moment would. just to pray I for would. And, uh, Gracious Heavenly Father, you know exactly who is going to be called, prompted to explore a faith-based university. I would pray, Lord, that you would give them the courage to set aside anything that would feel like an obstacle and go with an open heart and an open mind and to listen closely to the Holy Spirit as they visit an, a place that might be just the right place to equip them for their future. I pray, Heavenly Father, for the leadership on Christian colleges and universities. The issues have become so complex and they need perseverance and they need laughter, they need joy, they need good teammates. Would you send, Lord, the people who are supposed to lead and guide so that the 500,000 students who every year say, yes, I want to develop my faith with peers and faculty that know me and know the God I love. I want to be the best person to serve the kingdom. Would you, Lord, equip all of us who are in this work to do our very best so that the next generation can be their very best? And all this we pray knowing that you complete the work that you started. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, Shirley, I want to thank you for joining us today on Framework Leadership Podcast. Thanks for letting me come. Privilege to have you and the insight you provided for our listeners. If you want to stay up to date with Shirley, you can follow her on Twitter at Hoogstra Shirley or Instagram at SV Hoogstra. Again, thank you for joining us on Framework Leadership Podcast. Take care, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today on Framework Leadership. If you're watching on YouTube right now, now would be a great time to hit that like button, hit that subscribe button so you can get more leadership content right into your YouTube feed. You can also check us out on Instagram at Kent underscore Ingle at Dr. Michael Steiner or on Twitter and YouTube at Kent Ingle. And hey, if you love great email newsletters, and I know that I do, you want to check out the Framework Leadership Newsletter. Every single Friday drops in great tips to be a better leader, resources, thoughts right into your inbox. Check it out. You can sign up at kentingle.com. Make sure you hop on to there. Thank you so much for listening to Framework Leadership. Take care, everybody.